Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder. I'm a managing director at B. Riley Financial, and I'm also the author of the new ROI, Return on Individuals. And this is the program where we dig deeper to understand what matters most in business. Today, we're going to be talking about leadership with a business coach who specializes in emotional intelligence. Pleased to welcome Daniel Tolson. Daniel, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Dave, thank you for having me here. It's a true pleasure. Thank you. Uh, the pleasure is all ours. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about who you are? My name is Daniel Tolson, and as a business coach, my clients come to me for three things, and they all start with the letter I. The first thing that they want is influence. The second thing is they want impact, and they also want income. When it comes to influence, they want to catapult their influence, and they want to be strong leaders in their community. When it comes to uh, them wanting to make an impact, they don't want to wait 40 years to get the gold watch. They want it now. And when it comes to unleashing new income levels, they say they're not making enough money. And one of my clients recently said $5 billion isn't enough because at $5 billion, I can only feed a million homeless people. So what they want from me is influence, impact, and income. Gotcha. So where does emotional intelligence fit into that whole formula? Well, it probably precedes all of that. The emotional intelligence component comes before that. And that's really getting these business owners to understand why they think and feel the way that they do. Once they understand themselves intimately, then they can really define that influence that they want and how they're going to impact their communities. So it really sits before all of that. So let's talk about that, right? Everybody, I think, has seen or heard the concept emotional intelligence written about all over LinkedIn. And they may or may not know what that truly means. How do you define emotional intelligence, Daniel? The business that I grew up in was a pawnbroking business and a second-hand dealership. And emotional intelligence back then was just called being street smart. And how we can define it in very practical terms is it's using our emotions to accelerate our human performance. And it's really simple to understand. You can break it down into five key components. The first component is self-awareness. And this is understanding why you think and feel the way that you do. And leaders today have to know their strengths and their limitations. Secondly, it's self-regulation. This is the ability to manage your mental and emotional blockages. Now, for a lot of people, they don't understand the impact of emotions. One negative emotion can impact your performance for up to four hours. And then it takes five positive emotions just to cancel one negative emotion out. So leaders have to stay very level-headed and emotionally clear. The third pillar of emotional intelligence is motivation. And this is that resiliency factor. It's getting knocked down and getting back up again. The fourth pillar is social awareness. And this is looking at other people, understanding why your internal customers and your external customers, why they think and feel the way that they do. Now, if we can't understand other people, it's impossible to make a sale. And then finally, we have social regulation, and that's the ability to communicate our ideas. And it's been said before in business that 99% of mistakes come from miscommunication. So we have to be able to communicate our ideas with clarity. Yeah, so let's dissect it. I was trying to scribble down here as quickly as I could some of the things you were rattling off here. But let's, let's start at the top with self-awareness. Um, so when I think about that, is that where confidence and, and doubts and fears live? <laughs> Absolutely. A 
byproduct of self-awareness is confidence. And if you don't know your strengths and if you don't know your weaknesses, then you will have less active emotional intelligence in this area. And that really impacts your confidence levels. When you see somebody who's ultimately confident, they know who they are. They know what they stand for. They can easily say no. And with that comes their confidence. They're also very aware of the emotional state that they're in at any time. And so they can actually go from confidence to certainty, which is that next level up. And that's what makes them superior leaders also. Yeah, so I I tell my kids and others who will listen to me that confidence is the memory of success. But yet in business and everyday life, doubts creep in, fears, whether it's the fear of making a wrong decision or other fears that are deemed to be irrational. How do you help your clients overcome those those doubts and fears to, to build that confidence? That's the second pillar of emotional intelligence. And it's that ability to regulate the emotions. What we help our clients become aware of is their thought patterns. 95% of the thoughts that we have every day are habitual by nature. And we don't challenge them. We don't stop to think of them. We can only hold one thought in consciousness at a time. But there's also this stream of consciousness that flows behind it. So what we tend to do is we help them understand their unique strengths. Everybody has to face problems. Everybody has to deal with people. Everybody has to deal with the pace of the environment. Everybody has to deal with policy. And the more intimately you understand how you face those, the easier it is to regulate those emotions. And there's four big fears that people have to learn to manage, especially leaders. First of all, leaders have to deal with the fear of being taken advantage of. The leader who can't deal with that won't delegate. Secondly, they've got to learn to deal with the fear of rejection. They have to make decisions that not everybody's going to agree with, but they still have to do it. Thirdly, they also have to manage their fear of losing their stability. They've got to make unpopular decisions and they've got to move their team out of comfort zones consistently. And then fourthly, people are afraid of making mistakes. And in a lot of companies, people get punished for making mistakes. So they're very risk averse, but they still have to make a decision. Whether it be right or wrong, something's got to be done. And we're teaching them to understand how they deal and navigate through these key areas of emotions. Yeah, a lot of good stuff there. And man, I can't scribble fast enough and read my own handwriting here. But um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I want to talk about real quickly here is you, you talked about that stream of consciousness that's always flowing. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking that's sort of the, the unconscious mind and the program that runs in the background. And I know that in, in my experience in working with coaches, uh, one of the things that we talk through is the, uh, the demystifying of the limiting beliefs. You know the myth busting of those. Can you speak to where how this whole subconscious talk track runs through your brain and how limiting beliefs are driving these other fears? It's a beautiful question. Hope I articulated it. Our well. unconscious mind is the storehouse of all our all of our emotions. Everything that we've ever seen, smelt, touched, tasted, thought, all of those memories reside in the unconscious mind. And they're stored in a gestalt. And essentially a gestalt is a a file of like-minded memories. So for example, if you're going to a sales presentation and you start to think that you're going to hear hear the word no, all of a sudden you'll start to have an emotional response 
before you even go into the presentation. And as you think about all the other times you've heard no, it starts to bring up that fear of rejection. Now, the fascinating thing in business is we've got to present our ideas consistently, whether it be we're making a sale to a customer or we're trying to get our internal teams to buy into what we're doing. The average person has heard the word no 178,000 times before they were age 18. So when they're 40 or 50 and they're hearing a no in business, it brings up all of that junk from the past. And then their limiting beliefs start to slip in. They, are, they say to themselves, am I good enough? Do I know enough? Am I old enough? Am I experienced enough? And that's when those self-doubts follow through. So how I define self-limiting beliefs are the uh, BS stories. We keep telling ourselves why we can't have what we want. And so the negative emotions, the limiting beliefs, the doubts, they all circle around together and they reside in the unconscious mind. And that's the confusing part because they're invisible and you can't see them, but they have a real world impact on your feelings and your results. Yeah, and that's what I've learned. We'll try to unpack that just a little bit uh, more here in a bit, but we've got about five minutes to go in this segment. And I just want to, before we get into another topic here, ask you to tell the audience how they can reach out to you if they want to learn more about you or get involved in one of your programs. The best way to reach me is reach out personally via email. My email address is daniel at danieltolson.com. And uh, I read a book. Uh, it was written thousands of years ago, and it's called The Bible. And it says, if you knock, the door will open. So if you send me an email, I can communicate to you. And remember, in business, asking for help is not a weakness. It's a sign of strength. So you can write to me, daniel at danieltolson.com. Or you can visit my website, which is danieltolson.com. Awesome. So we've got just about two or three minutes to go in this first segment, Daniel. But I was hoping maybe you might be able to provide some actionable advice on the topic of overcoming some of those limiting beliefs and fears. If somebody's walking into that sales meeting that you just alluded to and they're afraid of hearing the word no, what would you tell them before they walk into the door? The first thing you've got to do is you've got to get clarity on your outcome. And you have to be able to say it how you want it. So say it how you want it. If you want to close the deal, say to yourself, I'm going to close the deal. And what happens is where attention goes, your energy flows. So you've got to focus on what you want. Your thoughts influence 95% of your feelings. So understand what you want. Secondly, take action. Don't delay. Don't procrastinate. Walk straight into that room. And then thirdly, have behavioral flexibility. Understand that emotions are going to influence what you do, but keep moving forward despite of those emotions. And if we just keep doing that thing we fear, we will overcome that. The death of fear is certain. So first of all, understand what you want. Say it how you want it. Act on it immediately and then have that behavioral flexibility to keep moving forward whilst you're feeling those emotions. So is that, is that equivalent to the act as if or fake it till you make it? Or is there, is there something else that you would call it? Well, I'd say belief makes the actual fact. And if you believe you're going to be successful, that will come true for you. And we have to control those thoughts. And the interesting thought uh, thing about the stream of consciousness, we can substitute our thoughts at any given time. And you can only ever substitute a negative belief for an empowering belief. And so what you do is you just say it how you want it, and that quickly changes the emotional feeling within the body. 
Nice. I think that's a good time for us to take a break here. So we're going to roll a couple commercials. Daniel, you sit tight. Uh, you folks watching and listening, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this quick break with Daniel Tolson. My gifts are from the real real because I always feel very confident in what I get. I know it's been authenticated. The thrill of the hunt. They have things I never thought I'd see again. Gonna relish the gifts and the smiles. Top designers, up to 90% off retail. All I want for Christmas is Gucci. Louis Vuitton, Hermes, Prada, Rolex, Cartier. Real stuff at a really good price. Unwrap the unexpected with the real real. Shop over 10,000 new arrivals daily. Get 20% off at the real real. Terms apply. More than 200,000 people in the U.S. who have died from COVID-19. Hundreds more die every day, still an alarming rate of loss. Masks matter. These masks, they matter. It matters, it saves lives, it prevents the spread of the disease. sure you're up to host yeah we want to keep it the, the way it always was right <laughs> that's your grandma she was the best at the holidays Once upon a time, there was a reindeer named Tiptoe, and everyone just knew Tiptoe could fly. Shouldn't you be getting ready for your flying test? It's nearly Christmas! Me? Fly? Uh, maybe next year. Everyone that is, except Tiptoe. She's just scared. But flying is awesome! I flew once in an airplane. Wait, that's it! They gave us snacks and earphones. I watched like 10 movies. No! So Tiptoe's friends visited the North Pole's greatest makers who came up with their greatest invention yet. Ta-da! Wow, what is it exactly? It's a barometrically elevating levitation instigation engine with vehicular enhancement. It's a flying machine! It works! Tell Santa I'll do the test! Whoa! I just have to believe. From that day on, Tiptoe was never scared to fly again. Because she realized the courage she needed was in herself all along. So, you ready to fly to Grandma's? Okay. And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking about leadership and emotional intelligence with Daniel Tolson. Daniel, welcome back for the second segment of Behind the Numbers. A lot of good stuff covered there in the first round. And I want to spend a lot of fun. I want to continue, as I told you in our break, I wish I had like three hours to have you on this program, but I want to try and squeeze as much as I can in. And you mentioned something in the first segment that resonated, and I wrote down the word comfort zone. 
And a lot of us tend to get into a comfort zone and not necessarily push through challenges and opportunities. So can you speak to the comfort zone uh, dilemma and, and how we can break out of it? The comfort zone is the biggest enemy to success. And humans are creatures of habits. They create positive habits and those positive habits become the comfort zone. And then they reset goals and everything they want is now outside of the comfort zone. And at that stage, they have to reinvent themselves. And when they reinvent themselves, they've got to face all those fears at a higher level. So, for example, you might want to become a public speaker or you might want to address a bigger audience. You might have solved the fear of rejection speaking one to ten people, but now you want to influence and impact thousands of lives. You've got to deal with the fear of rejection now on scale and it might be dealing with it at a thousand people at a time. Now, the interesting thing about the comfort zone is we start to feel the impact of the comfort zone as soon as we start to move out by about 10%. So you really start to feel it as you move 10% out of where you're at at the moment. That could be if you're earning $100,000 a year and you're trying to get a pay rise, you'll start to feel that comfort zone kick in at $110,000. Now, the best way to understand it is we have homeostasis. So let's say that our average body temperature is 36 degrees. Now, if our body temperature goes up by 10%, and it gets hot, we go into a hyperprexic state, and the body starts to cook. And what do we do? We naturally want to cool the body back down with lukewarm water to bring it back into the comfort zone. Now, if our temperature drops by 10%, we go into a hypothermic state, and we can freeze. So what we do is we warm the body back up to the comfort zone. And so with the body, you go up or down 10%, and you really feel the impact, and it feels like you're dying. When people move out of the comfort zone, they feel it's a death. And so they want to come back to what's known and comfortable. So what people tend to do is when they move outside and upwards out of the comfort zone, they start to do an upward spiral. For example, they start to earn more money. They don't have coping mechanisms to handle this money. So what they eventually do is they go into self-sabotaging behavior. They overspend. They start to buy things they've never had before. But it's all part of these limiting beliefs. It's all part of self-sabotage. And they bring themselves back down to the comfort zone. Now, a company who's been impacted by the pandemic and their income drops, something else happens to them. They go into scrambling behaviors to try to get their income back up to where it was. Not to beyond, but to where it was. And what we start to see is they start to do bigger discounts. They start to give more things away just in hope they'll get their income back up to that level. So every time we set a new goal, we've got to deal with all those little demons once again. And that's how the comfort zone tends to work with a lot of people. But you don't really notice it until you start to move 10% outside of where you're comfortable. Yeah, one of the things that I've seen throughout my career and working with other professional service providers is the, the comfort zone of being technically proficient, but then being forced to move out of that comfort zone into more of a market-facing role and developing business. So are there particular patterns of behavior that you've noticed in those professional services, whether it's accountants, lawyers, even entrepreneurs? 
I see two types of things. We see a healthy personality and an unhealthy personality. The healthy personality we see as the confronter. They see the challenge and they say, you know what, I'm up for this, I want to go for it. And they move towards the biggest challenge. Where we have the unhealthy personalities, they're the evaders. And what happens is they go straight into denial, they put their head in the sand and they think if they just keep their head buried down there long enough, everything will return to normal. And this has been really obvious. And all these people who have confronted the pandemic head on have grown. I was looking at some numbers the other day. And in Bangladesh, they've got another 8,000 new millionaires in Bangladesh during this time of the pandemic. And those people confronted the pandemic head on, where the evaders still have their head in the sand. They think it's just a seasonal flu and it's going to disappear. Hmm. So let's talk a little bit about um, what I think you called self-regulation. And when I think about that, I'm thinking along the lines of maybe self-sabotage. Is that something that would fit into that bucket? Because the Absolutely. Limit, so, the, Absolutely. So, so these limiting beliefs force us to behave in certain ways where we may be our own worst enemies. Can, can you speak to how we overcome those kinds of uh, activities so that we don't shoot ourselves in the foot, so to speak? The first part of it is the self-awareness. You've got to become aware of the limiting beliefs. And it's not what we know that hurts us, it's what we don't know. So we've got to be able to seek feedback. And as leaders, we really have to be open to feedback from our superiors and our subordinates. We've got to have a look at the results we're getting and the results we're not getting. And we've got to stop and ask ourselves the question, why don't I have what I want? About 20% of the things that impact us are external, but fully 80 percent of what really holds us back is internal and we can start to pay attention to the language that we use and you'll start to hear these words I don't think I can do this I can't do that I'm not smart enough I don't have enough time I don't have enough resources and once you understand the limiting belief that you have then you can start to regulate it so we say if you can't name it you can't tame it once it comes to self-regulation, the fastest way to uh, improve and change a limiting belief to an empowering belief is to use the law of substitution. So if you say to yourself, I can't do this, you've got to flip it around and say, I can do this. If you say, I'm not smart enough, you've got to say, I am smart enough. And it's just changing that inner dialogue, that self-talk on the inside. We've got to change that inner dialogue, and that immediately changes the feelings. Once you change the feelings, you'll change your behaviours. So thoughts, feelings, actions. Change your thinking, change your life. Nice and simple. Yeah. Daniel, uh, how can folks reach you if they want to learn more about you, how they can work with you, enroll in one of your programs, etc.? I've got a great Facebook page. I call it Accelerate and Multiply, and it's on Facebook. So if you go to Facebook, type in Accelerate and Multiply, and I'm sharing daily strategies. Today in the Facebook group was Wednesday Wisdom, and I was sharing confidence tips for salespeople. So come and join me on Facebook, Accelerate and Multiply. Great. We only have a few minutes to go here, but I want to poke on something that you said here, maybe try and dig just a little bit deeper. When you talk about you know, changing the, the, the thinking to change the feeling and change the results, and I, a lot of folks may be listening and thinking, yeah, sure, easy to say, uh, I am this good, I am this smart, I will be successful, but the, those subconscious thoughts of the limiting beliefs are, are telling you, yeah, that's all nonsense, who are you kidding? 
how do we, without you giving away your secret sauce, obviously, but how do we get beyond the simple, okay, I'm just going to think a happy thought here today, and that's going to change my life? Well, the fastest way is to substitute the thoughts. It's not the most effective, but it's the fastest way. All of our limiting beliefs have their root causes in the age of zero to seven. And this is an imprint period. And this is where we start to have our values and beliefs imprinted upon us from our parents, from our teachers. And what can happen, and, and this is a great example, I was working with an engineer and her father lost his job and he got a job in sales and he got rejected, rejected and rejected. And he come home and he said, you can't make money in sales. You can only make money if you're educated. And that was the start of the limiting beliefs. So unconsciously for this engineer's whole life, she thought you can't make any money being a salesperson. So the moment that she got into sales, when she was about 45, she was wrestling with this inner belief that I can't make money. So yes, you can substitute the thoughts immediately and you can have a Band-Aid solution. But if you want to deal with the root cause, you've got to discover where they actually come from. And with today's technology, and when I'm talking about technology, I'm talking about the technology of the mind. You can actually let go of a limiting belief that's been holding you back for your entire life in under eight minutes. We know how to do it. It happens fast. And the beautiful part about working with the root cause you don't have to worry about substituting the thoughts in the future because you've changed the basis of your personality. You've changed your memories. And then what happens is you start to create a new and dynamic personality. So you can change the program in eight minutes. That's fantastic. That's fast. For 80% of the population, they can do it in under eight minutes. For 98% of the population, less than 10 minutes. That's Super awesome. fast. That is awesome. Well, for anybody who's watching or listening and wants to change their program, definitely reach out to Daniel. Daniel, thanks so much for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. It was really fascinating having you on. Love to have you back if you're interested because there's a lot of things we didn't get to cover today. Let's do it. Let's talk about some of these case studies of these billion-dollar businesses and how low emotional intelligence is actually helping them make a lot of money. Wow. That's a great teaser, and unfortunately, we're going to have to drop it right there. Uh, Daniel, thanks again for joining us today. You stay well. You. Uh, so for you folks who are watching and listening, thank you so much for tuning into Behind the Numbers. Uh, please do hit the subscribe button, and uh, this way you'll be able to stay in contact with us. If you're so inclined, leave a review. It helps to build the audience and allows us to great, uh, get other great guests like Daniel. Again, my name is Dave Bookbinder, and I'm the one my clients turn to when they want to know what their most important assets are worth. Feel free to reach out to me. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And until we see you next time on Behind the Numbers, take care, everyone. Stay well.